This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chetka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The percentage of the United States population that use a cell phone is increasing every year. Currently, it's estimated that over 95% of the population owns a cell phone, and over 75% own some type of a smartphone. This is up significantly from 35% compared to statistics from just seven years ago. While these devices certainly make our life more interesting, they can also serve as a major distraction. Studies suggest that drivers using mobile phones are four times more likely to be involved in a motor vehicle accident. And nearly half of all adults who text say they have either sent or read a text message while driving. Today we're joined by Dr. Robin Molella, a Mayo Clinic physician in the Division of Preventive Occupational and Aerospace Medicine and an expert in public health issues. Thank you for joining us today, Robin. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by just talking in broad terms of what is distracted driving and what statistics do you have that show that this is a serious problem? Yeah, so, you know, distracted driving is anything that um, takes the driver's attention um, away from uh, the primary task of driving. And so safety experts talk about three different kinds of distraction. So um, there's manual distraction, taking your hands off the wheel. Um, there's uh, visual distraction, taking your eyes off the road, and there's cognitive distraction, taking your mind off of driving. And most of us have done one of these things, at a, at a, most of us who are drivers have done at least one of these things uh, during our lifetimes of driving. Um, most of us have a shared experience of uh, getting home on a drive that we drive frequently on autopilot, where we look back and say, I don't remember going through that stoplight or you know whatever. And so distracted driving isn't new, um, but it has become uh, more of a problem over time. And the reason we know this is that we have been uh, actively um, in the public health world working to decrease motor vehicle injuries and fatalities. And we've been doing really well. We've got better and safer cars. We've got better and safer roadways. Um, and we were seeing a significant decrease in fatalities and injuries over time. And then all of a sudden, um, we started seeing a rise again. And, um, and it appears that that rise um, coincides with the event of people adopting cell phones um, uh, and smartphones. Well, I find it interesting that you have discovered, you know, three different things related to uh, distracted driving, manual, cognitive, and visual. And distracted driving is not new. We've, we've tried to insert CDs in our uh, CD player or uh, uh, in the previous times cassettes in our cassette players. But now that I think about it, cell phones really use all three of these, manual, cognitive, and visual, where the others may just be more manual. So cell phone does really require more of our attention. You're exactly right. Um, cell phones uh, are notable for requiring us to do all three of those things at once. Um, and that does seem to be part of the challenge um, as we think about um, the, the devices and the way that we interact with those devices um, in the car. 
Um, you know, it's we talk about texting as a form of distracted driving using our devices, but you can imagine we use our devices all the time for lots of other things. Sometimes it's a set it and forget it. Sometimes we automatically plug in uh, and we're listening to our, our favorite podcast through our device on a car drive or music. Sometimes we're using those devices for GPS. And so as we think about distracted driving and we think about public health campaigns, uh, you know, don't text and drive. Um, it's more complicated than that. Um, and, uh, and so we have to be critical about um, how we approach safety and saving lives, recognizing that these devices aren't going away anytime soon. Is this a problem primarily for younger drivers or, or are older drivers just as guilty? So um, it, it turns out that it seems to be a bigger problem for younger drivers um, in the sense that they're much more at risk for accidents to begin with. They're novices. Um, there may be something about the teen brain that makes it more susceptible to distraction. We don't know that entirely yet, um, but that, that could be part of the problem. Um, and so the fatal crash rate for teens in general is three times greater than for drivers uh, who are age 20 and over. Um, and driver distraction is responsible for more than 58% of teen crashes. And so, um, again, if we think about distraction as the problem, not the cell phone, um, all of those forms of distraction. So we know having a friend in the car, having lots of kids in the car is a distraction. We know playing with the radio is a distraction. And the cell phone is just one more thing that adds to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know many of the new vehicles now have uh, hands-free devices, which allow us to use the cell phone without actually holding it and uh, so forth. Um, do these help? Actually, that's really interesting, and no is the answer. Okay. So again, think about distraction um, as the problem. And so in one major study, they, they actually had drivers on a closed course. This was down in Texas. Um, and they were looking at driver reaction times. Um, and they found out that regardless of whether you were using hands-free technology or hands-on technology, your um, reaction time was nearly two times slower than the baseline condition, um, no matter which texting method you were using. And then they were also looking at eye gaze movements, and they found that eye gazes to the forward roadway were also significantly decreased compared to baseline, no matter which texting method was used. Um, and then the other bad news is, even though I don't want to show favoritism to any particular kind of voice activation or voice to text, um, but it took twice as long uh, to complete the same texting task using voice to text than it did when texting manually, though Siri seemed to perform better than uh, than the than others. But you know, think about that. It's twice as much time to use your voice activated system to do your text, and you're still two times slower at responding for that time. It would seem that it actually might make things worse mm -hmm. rather than make things better. Um, although many of the laws allow for um, hands-free use of the telephone uh, without limitation. Right. But, you know, in situations like that, you, it may not be using our manual attention or our visual attention, but it certainly takes our cognitive attention. It absolutely does. And, you know, again, um, we all know how autocorrect on our smartphones, those of us who have them, uh, can impact what the message actually says when sure. it goes out. And so people, it's not just that they want the text to look right or, say, uh, you know, say what they want to say. They don't want to say something silly. Um, and so it's, it's very distracting. Okay. 
I think I know the answer to this next question based on what you've already said, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, is a cell phone distracting only when it's being used? What if it's not being used? Yeah, so so um, partially, again, we want to think about how we're talking about use. So, so all of the devices in our car can be distractions, as you already pointed out, fiddling with the radio, putting in a tape. So the cell phone, when we're using it, particularly for communication, uh, phone calls, uh, texting, um, those kinds of things, is, is a distraction that's beyond the average. Um, it's also, though, a challenge, as are any other handheld um, uh, devices uh, like GPS, which require concentration to enter data points and those kinds of things. Um, so, so yes, it's mostly a distraction when it's being used, but it can also be a distraction even if it's just sitting on the seat next to you. Um, if you have a hands-free device and it says, uh, it, it now projects into your speakers, you have new mail. Would you like to read it? Mm -hmm. um, and then you're, you're listening. So there are apps and functions on smartphones that allow you to turn off those communication pieces and still use the functions of the cell phone that are helpful and in fact may represent a safety advantage. So here in Minnesota, there's almost always a story in the middle of the winter where someone goes off in the road, off the road in the snow and is lost in a snowbank and is found because they could triangulate the cell phone signal. And so, um, you know, we're constantly balancing what benefits this instrument brings into our lives with the threats to safety. Well, I may introduce another public health issue because it happens to me. I don't tend to use my cell phone in the car, but I do use it when I walk. And I was in the mail lobby oh, a few weeks ago and checking my schedule. And fortunately, I looked up because I was about to run into a four-foot diameter <laughs> post. <laughs> yeah, so. that, that happens. Uh, again, distracted walking distracted is walking. another kind yeah. of um, source of injuries. And it's not just when you're walking in lobbies or, or a pedestrian on the roadway. It turns out that distracted walking is a problem even our, in our own homes. Um, and then, you know, if you couple that with um, you're listening to music on your device and you've got headphones in so that you've lost yet another sense, mm -hmm. you're listening to the music, you're sorting through your playlist, you're walking, um, and you're really not paying any attention uh, to the surroundings. And maybe you step in a hole or you step into traffic uh, or you bump into a fixed object in your home or fall down some stairs. Uh, it's a problem. And again, rather than vilifying the cell phone or the to date myself, the iPod, um, and to focus on um, the fact that distraction is a cause of injuries. And we think of ourselves as being able to multitask, um, and the human brain is, has an immense capacity for, for doing more than one thing, but it can get out of hand. Um, and so we need to be uh, situationally aware um, for safety. We've been talking about distraction and driving, but I suspect there's equal problems with distraction in the workplace and maybe cutting down on work productivity or maybe with students in school, um, less attention paid to uh, the lesson that they're supposed to be learning. Is, is there some uh, evidence that that's the case? So there are huge debates about the interference of um, our devices, but also our social media accounts and those kinds of things 
both in schools and in workplaces um, affecting productivity. Um, there's more to that conversation um, because we talk about cyberbullying and we talk about um, uh, depression being related to screen time and, and use. Um, and so those are huge discussions. Um, but again, um, it's really important to, um, to talk about balance. So we'll talk about the workplace, then we can talk about school. So in the workplace, the challenges and the conversations around um, work-life balance. So it's not just getting distracted at work, but it's being 100% of the time on the clock. Now you can be reached anywhere you are, geographically and in time, um, and the phone's on all the time, and it's hard for people to turn it off, and that can lead to burnout. So how do we balance this ready access for the workplace and that 100% of time on the clock with um, being distracted because you aren't at home, but you'd like to know what your kids are up to and how that went on their paper, uh, how the grades went on their test or their paper. Um, and so, um, so in the workplace, we are struggling with this new accessibility um, and this new opportunity and then how to set limits. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that's an ongoing conversation. Um, but clearly, we're checking those devices frequently for updates. Um, and um, whether that's our news feed or our social media accounts, um, or we're playing games with apps um, that are readily accessible. And it's not clear whether um, you know, those moments away actually could be beneficial um, because people are getting away from that intense work they're doing, giving their brain a little bit of a break, um, and then maybe go back refreshed. And mm -hmm. so that's an ongoing conversation. And a similar debate is going on in the classroom. Um, again, the, it's unbelievable how often uh, kids check their cell phones during school. It's like a quarter of their school day they're <laughs> on the phone. Um, but it turns out that there's also just a huge amount of valuable um, data available to students um, there are educational apps that are interactive that teachers themselves would never be able to create uh, because they don't have the funding or sure. the technology resource. Um, and so there's a continuing to be this debate about how do we manage the distracting aspects of the cell phone and yet use them as a tool to really help our learners. And so that's, you know, we're not there yet. We just yeah. don't know the answer. Well, I guess just like any other new technology, there's good things about it and there's bad things about it. Well, there have been a variety of techniques that are trying to deal with distracted driving, distracted walking, so forth. How have various states dealt with this in terms of passing legislation? So most states have legislation on the books that, um, that talks about uh, there being legal penalties for being involved in an accident or even being stopped by police um, if you are um, being observed uh, using a handheld device uh, while driving. Um, and so um, that's an important strategy. And the other piece of uh, understanding uh, what's going on here and beginning to intervene appropriately and effectively is getting better data. And so um, there's a wide variety in the way that states collect accident reporting data. And we know that um, distracted driving as a cause of motor vehicle collisions is underreported. And so um, the states um, are being encouraged to collect more detailed data about um, the uh, 
way that a distraction happened uh, in an accident, and whether that's the pedestrian being distracted and at fault, or whether that's the um, the driver of the vehicle being uh, distracted and at fault, um, we aren't always collecting that data from state to state in the same way, and it makes it difficult then to understand um, the nature of the problem and whether any of our interventions, uh, such as uh, educational programs and um, uh, and other strategies, actually work. Mm -hmm. I hear public health announcements on television. Uh, I know they're doing programs in schools. How have the public health campaigns helped to make people aware of distracted driving? Yeah, I think it's always hard to understand the impact of those campaigns. Um, the nature of public health work is that um, we are on a really long timeline. And so, uh, for example, we're still talking about 2016 data two years into uh, two years past that, right? But that's the last time that we have the data collected um, and analyzed um, just because of the lead time. And so it's hard to know for sure. Um, certainly it's on people's radar. Certainly it's been um, uh, brought into driver's education classes. Um, I hear my young daughter tell my husband, don't text and drive. So so there's a rising awareness of that. Um, but um, it is uh, not yet proven whether those campaigns will be sufficient. In general, for safety purposes, we do best with engineering controls. Human behavior is hard to change. Um, devices are easier to change. Mm -hmm. um, and so you could think of uh, a system that the minute you got on the road and were driving, uh, texting and calling were automatically locked out of a device or something like that uh, may be a better strategy for protecting people. Yeah. So certainly doesn't seem like this problem is getting better. So what is the answer to this public health problem? More education, new laws, new technology? As you mentioned, we certainly must have the technology to block the use of these phones and vehicles, but is that so, the answer? So I think, I think it's all of the above. I think that no public health problem is ever solved by one strategy alone. Um, and so I think we clearly have to think about new technologies, um, whether that's new technologies when humans are driving or whether this gets better with um, self-driving cars, um, you know, so then we're not paying attention because we don't have to. Um, I think that from a medical perspective and for providers for the time being, um, that we really need to focus on counseling our patients. This hasn't risen to the level um, that there's enough data for the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force to give a recommendation on counseling, um, but I, I really do think that um, as providers thinking about injury prevention, um, we should be talking to our patients about this very specific threat to their health and safety. Um, and it's a simple message. Make sure you don't text and drive would be the easiest, but you know that distraction is an issue um, and your cell phone it can be a big distractor. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's really important, and I think it matters uh, uh, in all of the age groups we might see. So clearly teens are at high risk, um, and we should be focusing on counseling teens. But teens follow the behaviors that are modeled by their parents. And so parents of young children need to know not to do this. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we age, we have all sorts of reasons, like decreased reaction time, that cause us to have to pay attention to driving um, in order to do it well. And I think that um, we want to be sure to counsel uh, those folks as well. 
um, that this is another distraction. Um, and particularly in people who've been driving for a really long time, we tend to get uh, fairly confident in our ability to pilot those vehicles um, and then uh, can get caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Any last few words on this topic? Yeah, I do. So, you know, we talked a little bit about today the fact that um, this is a new problem and um, there's a lot of sort of a love-hate relationship with the phone. And I found a quote that I found kind of interesting. It was a Christmas card from Mark Twain in 1890. Um, And he sent out his heart-warmed and world-embracing Christmas hope, an aspiration that all of us, the high, the low, the rich, the poor, the admired, the despised, the loved and the hated, the civilized and the savaged um, throughout the whole earth may eventually be gathered together in a heaven of everlasting rest and peace and bliss, except the inventor of the telephone. Mm -hmm. Wonder what he'd say today. (laughs) Well, we've been talking about the risk of cell phone usage with Dr. Robin Malella, a Mayo Clinic physician in preventive medicine. Thank you for your time, Robin. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was sponsored by Mayo Clinic Online CME. Register for on-demand medical education in a wide variety of specialties at ce.mayo.edu. Thank you for your kind emails and topic suggestions. We invite you to continue to share your thoughts and questions at CME at mayo.edu. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe, stay healthy, and see you next week.